online church, we want to welcome you. Glad you've joined us today on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, let you know next week is a big service with our baptism and backpacks and, and a barbecue next week. Uh, we will not be streaming the whole service. So um, if you want to see baptisms and backpacks, you need to come in person. But um, next week is our uh, barbecue. So we're going to eat together. We're going to break bread and eat processed meats together. Come on, somebody. Hot dogs. Come on, so good. But we'll have a chance to connect and hang out. And so many times on Sundays, it's the team's running and going, and me and Pastor Nancy are running and going. And next week's a great chance for us to connect and get to see some of you as we celebrate with baptisms and backpacks. If you have your Bible today, can you turn to Luke chapter 15? Again, we have free Bibles in the lobby um, for you if you don't have a Bible. Uh, we have them in um, Korean, we have them in Spanish, we have them in English. Soon French is coming, but if you need a Bible, we bought them with your money, so just take one. And uh, we're just, it's our privilege to provide that. Nothing has changed my life and most of our lives in this room like the Word of God. Not opinions, not personalities, not fads, not trends, but the Word of God. And um, if you don't have a Bible, please grab it on the way out. Matthew chapter 15, I'm going to start reading verse 11. Verse 11, very famous passage. My Bible has it um, titled as the parable of the lost son. If you have a New King James Bible, it says the, the prodigal son. Chapter 15, verse 11. So to illustrate this point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want a share of your estate now before you die. Tradition is when the father dies, he divides up the estate, the oldest getting most of the stuff. Um, the youngest would get very minimal. This man says that I want a share of, my, of your estate before you die. What he's saying is, Dad, I want you to die. You can't die quick enough. That was an awkward family dinner right there. That's what he's saying. Dad, I can't wait for you to die. You look way too healthy. I want mine now. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local fire, uh, farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields um, to feed the pigs. Again, knowing the culture as a Jewish boy, there's no place further from his faith and further from his custom and his culture than to be with something that is very non-kosher, which actually was with the dirtiest of animals, with pigs. He found himself literally at rock bottom. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough uh, food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, ignoring his son, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening and we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead.
and now returned to life. He was lost, oh, but he is found. Let the party begin. Meanwhile, the older son who was in the fields working, when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. And we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time, you never gave me even a young goat to feast with my friends. Yet when your son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. I don't need to go to movies to cry. The Bible makes me cry. I don't apologize for that. Just just embrace the awkwardness. It's going to happen every single service. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. One more verse. Don't turn there. Stay there in Luke 15. Matthew 11. Matthew 5. I just read it for the offering. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light, bringing it the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. This is the generous Father in heaven. We're going to pray. If you're taking notes today, write this down, this title. Um, um, keep the light on. Keep the light on. Keep the light on. If you're taking notes, write that down somewhere. Leave the light on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful time today. Thank you for the so many guests that have walked in here. I pray today they'd be overwhelmed with your goodness and your grace and your church's hospitality. God, I pray that you would move in the service, even as you have already through the worship. Jesus, I pray you'd be Lord of our lives. Would you help lead us today? Lead us in purity. Lead us in holiness. Lead us in vision. Lead us in purpose. Lead us in passion. Help us as we help our city. We're asking that these next few minutes, these words would challenge us. They would convict us. They would lead us. They would direct us. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. And we're thankful for this moment. Thanks for your help this week. Thanks for healing those that need healing. Thanks for providing for those that need provision. Thank you for being closer than any friend or family member. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Me and Nancy, um, I think the thing we fight over the most, there's an opener, isn't there, right there? Tell me one of those services. Someone said last week, I feel like I know everything about you. You don't know anything about us. I'm like, yeah, because I overshare. I'm an oversharer. Well, it's like, not like this is on the internet or anything. Um, but I think the, com- the most common thing me and Nancy disagree about is leaving lights on in our house. I've fully embraced dad mode. I've turned into my father. I'm obsessed with lights. The lights and the heat pumps in our house are a bone of contention for me and Nancy. Some of you are like, we're in the exact, like, 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 I want the house the right temperature for Cooper when he's left home alone. Cooper's our golden retriever. Uh, he's, he's not our kid. He's, he's our four-year-old golden retriever. And, uh, but he, I, I don't want him to suffer. I want the right temperature. What has happened to me? I don't even know. I'm a dog person now. 
But we, I'm like, okay, I got, I, got the, I got the heat pump on this temperature. I get it set just right. Nancy walks out of the bathroom, walks out, and she's changing. I, I just set that. No, it wasn't what it needs to be, and she changes it. And then she goes to the car, and I put it back to where it was. I'll turn lights off. She turned lights on. We're going away for a few days. I'm like, we need these lights on so it looks like someone's home. She's like, that's too much lights. People can see into the house. And we, we are obsessive over the lights in our house. And I'm turning them off, and she's turning them on, and I'm dimming them, and she's turning them off, and we obsess over the lights in our house. I'm obsessed with it. I never forget when um, I traveled a lot for work, and then even now when I travel, I usually catch the last flight into Halifax. Usually it lands around 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m., or if you're flying with Air Canada these days, it could be any hour of the morning by the time you get there without baggage. Um, but when I would land late at night, so often as I would get a drive home and I would um, arrive home late, early hours of the morning, never to fail, when I would pull into the driveway, the outdoor light would be on in our in, in, in all the trips I've taken, in all the flights I've taken, and all the times I've been away from home, in our 23 years of marriage, uh, I've never come home yet, whether we were in a basement apartment or our house, without the outdoor light being on, and usually Nancy asleep on the couch, waiting for me, saying, I know he's on his way, whether we were newly married or if we had kids, um, I just need to know, the light is on, the door is unlocked, and I'm waiting up until you get home. There's something about leaving the light on, that says so much. Leaving a light on says, we're expecting you, and we will not rest until you walk through that door. There's something about leaving a light on. There's something about, there's, about knowing that someone's waiting for you, expecting you, that they won't rest until you're home. What does it mean as a church today, as Christians, to be light in a dark world? Now, I shared it a few weeks ago. We are in a series right now of messages that we are remixing, we are replaying. These are messages that um, we have preached before from this stage. But they are more than just messages. We actually believe they're part of the DNA and the culture of our church. And whether you've been here for a long time or a short time, there are certain moments and, and, and culture that we, if you cut us, we bleed. And one is, as a church, that we will leave the light on of the gospel in our lives. If you cut us, we bleed this. We are obsessed with this, of leaving the light on. I felt today, and before we get ready for Backpack and Baptism Sunday, I want to remind you of our core, of our, of our passion to leave the light on. What does it mean to leave a light on as a church? It's more than an analogy. Matthew 5 says that we are to be a light on a hill. Now, I've read this in the past, growing up many times, as when I read that passage, as a light of boldness, of no one's going to put my light out. That As a light, it, it, it was more of a spotlight trying to expose darkness in other people's lives. It was more of a, of no one's going to stop me. No one's going to shut me up. No one's going to hold me back. I'm going to expose darkness wherever I can. Look how bright we are. Everyone see how bright we are. And I feel like, I believe as I study scripture, as we wrestle through this church and building a church and helping our city and following Jesus, that we need to read this less as a light of interrogation, trying to expose, and more as a porch light calling people home. As it says, to keep an open house. So many times in my life, I would use the light of, uh, I, my light and it's more of an interrogation of where have you been and what have you done and who have you been with? And it feels like the movies when someone's tied to a chair and they're trying to be interrogated. The Bible says this light that we are, a light on a house, is to keep an open house. It's not a light of interrogation. It's a light welcoming people 
home. We're lights welcoming people, not interrogating people. How do we leave the light on? I want to give you three points today before we worship and go on with our day and, and, and launch into your mission field, which is your Monday. How do we leave the light on as a church? Luke 15, Jesus is repeating the same truth in three different stories in the whole chapter of Luke. There's three different stories here, three different uh, analogies, three different illustrations Jesus is using, all to make the same point. And they all have the exact same three elements in all three stories. One of them is about a coin, one is about a sheep, one is about a son. But in all three of these stories in Luke 15, something of value is lost. The second thing they all have in common is all the focus and all the energy is on finding it. No one rests until what is lost is found. And thirdly, once it's found, a party is thrown. I I think church should be a party. Don't apologize. Some people think you guys have too much fun. There's not enough reverence. I think fun is holiness. I think the reason why our young people walk away from God and the church is they see holiness as rules without relationship, and it always leads to rebellion. I said to my son recently, where I asked him, uh, another pastor asked him, hey, well, tell us the secret to following Jesus, even when your parents are pastors, you've been in church my whole life. He said, why would I rebel from God? Everything good in my life comes from God. Every adventure, every relationship, every bit of fun, I feel purpose and hope, and I have vision for my life. Why would I walk away from that? I believe that when something is lost and found, the Bible says that there is a party in heaven. And in Scripture, it says a party is thrown. Sunday mornings should be a party in here. Because people that are lost are found. People are coming back to the good news of Jesus Christ. We should be the biggest party in the city. It shouldn't be a club downtown. It should be churches all over this city. The story of the lost son in Luke 15. I want to focus on that for a few minutes this morning. Is the father had the opportunity to turn the light off. He could have said, you know, like it's, he's too far gone now. He had every reason to turn out the outdoor light off and say, he's too far, he's not coming home. We've heard the stories, we've heard about the prostitutes, we've heard about the drugs, we've heard about the, we've heard about the lifestyle. He's too far gone now. We're not waiting for him anymore. It's okay, lock the door. He's not coming home. He could have said, he had every excuse to say he's too far gone. I studied it even again this week, and scholars can't tell you how long the son was gone, but they all agree it was a considerable amount of time. The father could have said, it's been too long. It's been too long. We waited a week. We waited two. We thought maybe he'd change his mind. We thought maybe he would miss his mom's cooking. He would miss his bed. Maybe we thought he would come to his senses, but it's been too long now. He had every reason to shut the light off. He could have said, I have other things to do. He had every reason to walk away. From looking at the road. This man was obviously a man of business and of significance, and he had things to do. He could have said, listen, I got business deals, and I got family, and I have, uh, I have responsibilities. I just can't stay here watching the road. I can't stay here waiting for my son to come home. I have to get about my business. I have to go about my life. This has been fine for a bit, but at some point, I need to stop grieving and start moving on with my life. He had every reason to shut that light off. To leave the light on is going to challenge a few things as a church. Make no mistake, our vision as a church is to help those far from God come close to God. And if you're honest, there's parts of my life and in your life that are far from God. This isn't about guests walking in and meeting Jesus. It is that. 
but it's also about us realizing there are parts of my life that are far from God. When I read in Scripture, parts of me do not want to do what Scripture says. Some of this is very difficult, and I believe as I'm around his presence and follow Jesus, all parts of me are closer to God than when I walked in. To leave the light on is going to challenge some things. The first thing it's going to challenge is our positions. Our positions. The Father was anticipating. It says that the Father saw the Son while he was a long way off, which tells me that his position, he positioned himself in a place where he could say, listen, I'm, I'm gonna, I got to keep my eyes on the road. I don't know when he's coming. I don't know if he's coming. But if he does, I want to see him when he hits the horizon. It, it affected his position. I need you to come over here and sign this deal. No, bring it to me. I'll sign it here. I cannot leave the road. Listen, you got more comfortable places to sit. You have a beautiful estate. You have other properties. You have, you've worked hard for this luxury. Go relax. No, I know there's a better chair over there. There's a better view over there. I know there's better, probably better food over there. But I cannot change the position I am in. When you leave the light on, it challenges the positions we have. He had more comfortable places to sit than where he was, straining his neck to watch the horizon. Trying to focus his vision on the road. Comfort never keeps the light on. This is a battle as we go into year six as a church. We're at that place, believe it or not, though we set up and tear down. I realize as a team, we are getting comfortable in some places we should not be comfortable. Comfort never keeps the light on. The church of Jesus is not convenient, and it should never be comfortable. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, because the walk of God is very often uncomfortable. If your faith is comfortable, it's something, but it's not Christianity. I don't know how else to read scripture than that. The Bible calls it the fight of faith. It doesn't call it the leisure of faith, the spa of faith, the massage of faith. It calls it a fight of faith. And we wonder why we're surprised sometimes when we actually get punched. Get punched this week with some doubt. Get punched this week with some pain. Get punched this week with some relationships. All oh, have faith. God is with us. But comfort never keeps the light on. The church is never supposed to be convenient or comfortable. There's so much talk about prayer. As we launch our prayer rooms for the fall, once we're, our office gets repaired and our prayer room opens again, we're going to be increasing our prayer times. So much talk of surrendering to God, surrendering your will, your direction, your past, your your, your, every part of your life, so much on resisting temptation. There's so much, and convenient and comfortable, never keep the light on. We must be a church that welcomes those who wander, not aim to make us comfortable. And that's one thing I love about our church. I don't think anybody walks in here going, that's my seat, move. You need to know, every seat is available, the front to the back. We want to welcome those that wander, not try to make ourselves comfortable. A refusal to get comfortable keeps the light on. People try churches like they try furniture. I hear that once in a while. People move in and, and listen, I believe in checking out churches. I'm not saying that. There's a lot of great churches in our city. This might not be the one for you. There's a lot of great churches in this city, and I say that honestly. But sometimes people try churches on, like they try furniture going, I don't know, that one just seems to, I don't know, it's not quite as comfortable. I, I want one that reclines a little bit. I want one with a cup holder. I want one that, you know, we have this age is in our family. I want one that meets more the needs of what we're at. Listen, we, and that's why they call it church shopping, because we treat it like a shopping trip. The church was never meant to be comfortable. I want to encourage you today, church, keep a position of prayer. 
Keep a position of serving. Keep a position of purity. Stay in a place of following Jesus. That's what keeps the light on. It'll challenge our position. If we're going to keep the light on as a church, it's going to challenge our priorities as a church. Constantly valuing others over ourselves. Man, that sounds good, but that is so hard to do, isn't it? So hard to do. I'm not going to read it all today, but in, 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 in the verse in 15, it says that the father was son-focused and the brother was self-focused. In verses 22 to 24, you'll see this. The father uses words like him, his, his, this son, he, the father was son-focused. The older son, brother was self-focused. In verse 28 and 29, he said, I've slaved for you. You've never given me anything. And that's the difference right there. The father was son-focused. The older brother was self-focused. If we're going to leave the light on, we have to understand the priorities of valuing others over ourselves. I had someone message me this week, and they say, hey, that's awesome with the backpacks, but don't you guys need money for a building? Yeah, we could have used that 35000 towards a building. But we will never give up the priority of focusing on others over ourselves. Because I believe we make happen for others, God will make happen for us. And everybody said, amen. Nothing turns a light off faster than selfishness. Nothing. And it's sneaky, isn't it? It sneaks in going, I don't know if I really enjoyed that. You know, I, I could have watched that message on YouTube. I, 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 we, we, he could have just sent us a link instead of preaching that again. I don't know if I really want to set up and tear down. I don't know if I like walking across a parking lot, across traffic. I'm not sure if I'm really comfortable with the prayer. I don't know. There's a lot of talk about prayer. I almost feel guilty for not praying. I, I feel like purity is a big deal. I just can't live what I want and smoke what I want and drink what I want and sleep with who I want. The, I feel like that's a big deal. I feel, like it's, I feel like that's not really comfortable to me. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, selfishness will turn the light off. Can we be real today? It does. For God so loved the world, he gave. This thing was born in generosity. Social media, I think one of the traps of social media is we have a generation spending more time on what we're missing out on than on who we should be reaching out to. FOMO is real. Fear of missing out is real. Going, man, I wish I could have been invited to that place. I wish I was hanging out with so-and-so. I wish I could have gone for that coffee. I wish I was invited to that party. I wish I had that kind of partner in my life. I wish I had that kind of finances in my life. And we spend more time focused on what we're missing out on than who we're supposed to be reaching out to. The brother focused on what he was missing. The father was obsessed with who he was missing. And that is the difference. The brother didn't want to let the brother back in. The older brother did not want to let the, the prodigal son back in. Isn't that interesting? I see myself so often in this story as the older brother. If you're wondering, this, this illustration is a story about God the Father. God the Father is the Father in the story. He is looking for those lost and far from him. And he's selling everything and giving everything to reach us. And so many times, if we're not careful, we turn into the older brother going, they just showed up, why are they getting the credit? Wait, why are we doing stuff for them? We've been here longer than them. And sometimes we've made it harder for people to get into the house of God than out of their mess. Sometimes we make it harder for people to get into our community than out of their mess. People will fight through their Saturday night and their Sunday morning hangover to get in this building, and they fight hard to get here. And sometimes I'll make it harder for them to get in here than they did to get out of their mess. 
And the older brother was made, this younger brother got out of his mess. He turned his life, not fully repentant, but had a plan, was coming back towards his father. And the, the older brother's like, no, you can't come in here. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll make it more about our comfort and our position than the lost. And we'll be more focused on ourselves. You need to know people are coming into the house of God and they still got dirt on them. And you're going to ask, are they really changed? Because I don't know. I heard. I don't think they are. I think they still are still in the mess they're in. Uh, we did all the work. They're just going to show up and enjoy it. Like, like we set this whole thing up. They're just going to walk in 10 minutes late. They're going to leave after having a coffee. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll be more focused on what we don't have than who walks through the door. And priorities, priorities keeps the light on. When my light is dimming, I'm usually focused on me. When I'm not shining as bright as I need to, I'm usually focused on me. I'm tired. I'm busy. I have an inner dialogue. They don't understand my struggle. They don't appreciate my sacrifice. They know what we do all week. And if I'm not careful, I start to dim the light focused on me. And the view goes from the road to myself. Focusing on others turns the light on. That's why as a church, we need a building. We need a lot of things. We need more staff. We need a lot of things. But we will always be focused on others because the others keeps the light on. That's why this church is doing what it's doing. We have to keep our focus on who God is missing, not on what we don't have. The third thing, real quick, to keep the light on is possessions. Some would say the father was wasteful and unwise. Some would say he gave the son too much too early. And then when they came back and in a full of a mess of regret and shame, he gave him more. They said, Father is wasteful. Listen, to leave the light on, it means you choose people over possessions. See, this, this book, this story, this faith only makes sense through a father's eyes, not an accountant's. Thankful for the accountants in the room. They keep our church, uh, our books tidy, and they keep us in the great. I love accountants. Budgets are from God. Some of you don't need an answer of prayer. You need to do a budget. That's just free right there. <laughs> but grace does not make sense through the eyes of an accountant, only through the eyes of a father. A father will give everything he has and everything he can borrow and everything he's ever been given, and he'll give everything, and it looks wasteful to a non-father. And when you go through this story of reaching people, you can't look at it through a spreadsheet and you can't look at it through a budget line because it does not make sense. Thank God this father didn't listen to his financial advisors. He went through his heart as a father. The advisors would have had him off doing business, but his heart as a father had his eyes on the road. Leaving the light on will cost you. We don't need a better example than these last few weeks of backpacks. Or the legacy offering, some of you gave so generously last Christmas, and we'll be doing it again this Christmas. We need millions of dollars. We were talking to our board recently, even by email. We need millions of dollars. That number doesn't scare us anymore. We're trying to put a number on it, but we need millions and millions of dollars. It's a huge number. We need a miracle. The backpacks that came in is a miracle. We're going to see 700-plus kids next week. It's a miracle. But such generosity will always cost you to leave the light on. It only makes sense from a father's eyes, not an accountant's. 
Well, I gave my money. I was expecting to have a building already. It doesn't make sense to an accountant. We need, it doesn't make sense. We need radical, stupid generosity to pull off a building. We need a miracle. If you're not praying, pray for a building. We need to be gifted and not a lousy building, not a small building, the right building. I love you. Some of you send me messages about buildings. I'm like, that's so small, you got to come out to change your mind. <laughs> we need something for teenagers and for youth and for services. Look around. We need to go to two services very soon as a church. Listen, God, we need a radical generosity of heaven and of people. But listen, leaving the light on will cost you. And we're giving to leave the light on long term. This is not a seasonal thing. This is not a short term. If you're not generous, you probably want to go shop for another church. If you're not generous with your forgiveness and your grace and your serving and your finances, you're going to be uncomfortable here because we're all in. Because we believe God's called us to reach people far from God. The father didn't just run. Listen, don't, please don't miss this. The father says ran to his son. He just didn't run because he was joyful. An elderly man to run in this culture was extremely unusual. In fact, it was humiliating for an older man to run in this culture. Aristotle wrote this quote. He simply said this, great men never run in public. That was the culture of the day. Yet the father here runs, and not just because he's filled with compassion. Watch this. In this culture, a Jewish son who lost his inheritance, which was very rare, if he lost it among the Gentiles, he would have been a subject to a ceremony on his return to the village called the Keza. The ceremony, the Keza, means when he showed up on the outskirts of town, the villagers would run to meet him. They'd take big pots and big pottery and big, big, uh, big baskets of pottery, and they would smash him at his feet and deny him entry into the town. They would cut him off saying, you can't come back. You are literally dead to us. The father wasn't just running because he was joyful in his heart. He was running to beat the village to his son. He knew what was going to happen if the town mayor or the town busybody, and we all got one and they're all on Facebook. Did you see who wandered into the town limits? He knew they would run with this pottery and do a funeral for his son saying, you're dead to us, you can't come in. And this father hiked up his robes and started to run. Thinking it was up to the village, the light would be out. But no, 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 not my son, not my son. I will beat, listen, he not only beat them to it, he brought them in before they could say anything. He killed the calf and had a party and invited them all to the party. There would have been silence at that party, and what they're saying is, we should be having his funeral, but instead you're having his rebirth. And he fed his guests a celebration going, from this day on, my son has a ring. He's my son. You can't ban him. He has authority. He has a place. He is home. Church, we're passionate about leaving the light on in this church. Some of our gear have this taped to the top of it, leaving the light on. As we push the heaviest gear we can find, I want to remind you, girls in the lobby, that's why we set up these flags. If we only put three up, will they notice instead of five? Do we really need that much pipe and drape? Do we really need? No, 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 no. I don't know who's driving by. Who needs to see that flag? His father. I, I, I can't help but imagine him sitting there. Oh, 
I want my boy to come over that horizon and see the light on. Come to bed, it's late. No, you don't understand. What if he's around the corner? Come on, do this deal. Go off on this vacation. No, you don't understand. I have to watch. And then one day, the Bible says when he was a long way off, he spotted his son. My son's coming home next week from his internship for a vacation. I can't wait to see him. When he walks through that airport, I'll recognize that bushy head of his. Because I remember when he was born. I remember when he was five. remember when he was nine and got stitches. And I, I know the shape of his head. I think his father was sitting there. And all of a sudden, he saw on the horizon, he saw a shape. He goes, no, no, that, that's not the postman. That's not the neighbor's kid. I know that head of hair anywhere. It may be long, his head may be down, but I know that boy, I know that walk, because I taught him how to walk. He walks just like me, and he said he started to run. The boy had excuses, the boy had things, well, I got to clean myself up. Before he could say anything, he wrapped his arms around him and welcomed him home. Listen, church, they're coming. The ones you've been praying for, I don't know when. I don't know if it's this building or another church. I don't know, but they're coming if we leave the light on. Make no mistake, there are so many prodigals watching our backpacks. Want to criticize the church. They're in it for themselves. Wait a minute, we can't criticize backpacks. <laughs> I want to shut the light off because they're focused. Wait, they can't shut the light off. They keep, I keep trying to cancel the church, and the church can't be canceled. I keep trying to shut the church up, but the church can't be shut up. There's something about leaving the light on. Your loved ones are going to be walking through the door. I don't know when. Our loved ones, other people's loved ones, some of you have been prayed for for so long and you're here today. And we're committed as a church as we go into year six to lead the light on. And we will lift, we will serve, and we'll be uncomfortable, and we'll be generous, and we'll value possessions, people over possessions, we'll make them our priority. We will be focused on others. Why? Because we will not shut the light off. We are called to be a welcome home light, keeping the house open. For those that far, that wander far from God, will come over the hill going, I'm coming home. We'll say the light is on and we have not rested until you're home. I've asked Pastor Matt to lead us in that song again for a moment. Before I pray, if you would, all over this place, can we stand to our feet? This song echoes this story about the reckless passion of God. Please, no one moving around if you can. Would you sing the song just for a moment? And then I want to pray.
just, I need to make a moment today to pray for you if you feel like the light of your faith has gone out today. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you came to church because you saw a social media post or someone invited you or maybe you saw a flag and you walked in today and you're like, I don't know, these people are crazy, but I like it. Maybe you've never had a faith but you feel something's happening inside you. It's more than just music and lights and a TED Talk. There's something else happening here, that there's a God that made you and a God that loves you and a God that wants to lead you. Maybe you're in this room, maybe even online, and you're watching this, and you used to have your light on, but your light's been put out. You've walked away from God. It might be because of hurt or maybe because of choices of you wanted something else, but you feel this desire to come back and to know today that the light is on. We don't have a lot of questions. We just have a lot of hugs. We don't need to interrogate. We just need to welcome home to say we've been waiting for you. Whether this is your first Sunday or you've walked away from waiting for you, we've been praying for you. If you're watching online, it's not an accident that you're watching this or someone shared this on their Facebook page. With every head bowed, just for a moment, you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. I want to be made right with God. I want to be put back into a place of position where I am in right with heaven. That is right between me and God. I, I need forgiveness for my life, forgiveness for my choices. I want to know that I'm home. I'm home with God. It's not about joining this church. There's a lot of great churches in this city. If you don't like this one, talk to me. I can list a whole bunch of great ones. We can help you find it. But there's something about coming back to faith every head bowed, you said, Mike, that's me. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand real quick and put it right back down. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. As a sign up, I want you to pray for me. I'm coming home today. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand real high. Put it right back down. Listen to me. We've been waiting for you. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. Can we pray this prayer? If you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud. But we're all going to do it together, okay? Because you're with family now. We do everything together. We're a loud family. Can you say this prayer to me? It's, it's, it's a moment of faith. It's a moment of declaration. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. That means that he now leads your life. It doesn't mean you come in, you, you eat, you have a party and go back to your life that you had. It means you follow Jesus. You get one of these Bibles in the lobby. You start in Matthew and do everything it tells you to do. That's it. Start there, and you'll be miles ahead of a lot of us. We're working on it. Pray this prayer. Can we all pray this together? If you lift your hand, pray this prayer. We're all going to pray it together. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, say this with me. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for welcoming me home. Thank you for welcoming me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my sin. My choices led me away. But today I come home. Would you wash me clean? Would you wash me clean? Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? I pray I would feel peace. I pray I would feel peace. And I pray I would hear your voice. I pray I would hear your voice. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. From this moment on. From this moment on. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Church has been an amazing Sunday. Let's not get comfortable. Some of you, the next part is go, you're gonna meet someone new in the lobby. Just don't walk out, meet somebody. Priorities are people. 
comfort never got, uh, never got us anywhere. God has a plan for us, amen? Father, bless this church, bless their week. Father, send them in passion, send them in power. We will hear your voice and feel your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Have an amazing week. We'll see you in the lobby, and we'll see you next week for backpacks, barbecue, and baptisms.